and uh, we record our messages, and so welcome to those who haven't been able to make it this morning as well, and are watching online. I'm going to, Teresa's going to read for us this morning from Mark chapter 16. Good morning. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way there, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, clothed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there, just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, the... As we listen to your word this morning and as I uh, speak, may the words of my heart and the meditation, um, well, the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. We pray you would open our hearts to receive from you what you would want to say and do in our lives this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in case you uh, haven't been around in recent times or are visiting this morning, this year at the Billabong, we have been studying and working through the Gospel of Mark. So this is one of the four accounts of Jesus' life, death and resurrection, uh, written by a guy by the name of John Mark, or just Mark. And uh, did you know that what we just read, what Teresa just read, is actually the end? It's the final scene of the gospel, the good news, according to Mark. The very last line being, the women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. The end. Can you imagine a movie about Jesus' life finishing this way? It's the climax, the women, they go to the, the, the tomb, they're expecting to embalm Jesus' body. Instead, it's empty. The angel tells them he's alive. And so could it be? Will the movie finish with Jesus appearing in glory, clothed in white, risen from the dead, and then reaching out his hands? He says, friends, do not fear, for I am with you always. Tell the world of God's love before a slow fade out and the credits roll to the sound of amazing grace. But no, the end of the movie is the women run away, confused and afraid, the screen goes black and the credits roll. That's the end of the good news, that's what the gospel means, the good news according to Mark. Now, this coming Wednesday is a very, very important day in human history, if you didn't know. It's the Australian release of the movie Avengers Endgame. 
one of the most anticipated movies in history because... Now, who saw Infinity War? Now, for those of you who are not enlightened, in the last, um, it's, this was the last in a long series of movies based on the Marvel comics, right? So the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in this last movie, uh, last year, all the superheroes that we've gotten to know over the last 10 years, over many, many movies, are fighting an epic battle to save the universe against the, the ultimate villain. And at the very end, spoiler alert, uh, when all seems lost, the strongest Avenger, a uh, little Ragnarok reference for you fans, uh, flies through the air with his hammer straight into the heart of the supervillain and we think, yes, he's done it, they've won the battle. And then those famous words, you should have gone for the head. And long story short, they don't save the, the universe. The villain wins and kills billions of people. And that's the end of the movie. And, and how did we feel, Marvel fans, at the end of the movie? <laughs> really? The movie can't end that way. Now, that's, uh, the movie needs a happy ending. Hence the importance of Endgame coming out this Wednesday. Uh, the, movie, the, the story needs a happy ending. Very, very important. Now... That's not what we just read in Mark's Gospel. A happy ending, a kind of a a beautiful picture in the last scene of the story. Confused, scared, and in panic, the women, they they run away in fear. And some of you might be thinking, hang on a second, that's not how I remember Mark's Gospel finishing. Am I reading and getting something wrong here? And yes, there actually is a happy ending to the story of Mark's Gospel, but... It's virtually undisputed that Mark himself, the writer of the majority of the account, the Gospel of Mark, finished his account of Jesus' life, death and resurrection with this abrupt ending that we read today. The ending parts that you will read in your Bible uh, are added as very likely trustworthy accounts. It's not that they're wrong or anything, but they're added by others to help end the story off. They needed the end game. They needed the happy ending. But why on earth would Mark himself, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, write his story of Jesus' life with such a blunt ending? Confused and afraid, they run and don't tell anyone. I'll be honest, there's tons of theories, and I'm not going to go into all of that today, but I really think there's something quite profound that we learn from this scene. There's two distinct emotions uh, or experiences that we see in this story in the women who visit the tomb. The first experience or emotion is grief and loss. They have lost their friend and their teacher, Jesus. They're they're simply doing what you would do out of respect at this time in history, taking spices to embalm the body. The grief would have been exacerbated because this was supposed to happen soon after the death, but due to the brutal manner of Jesus' death and then the Sabbath, meaning they couldn't buy the spices at the time, it meant that they had to wait around 36 hours to do this. So that would have felt like a long time to them. And there is no hope in them. They don't go to the tomb with like this attitude of, well, maybe he'll have risen like he said he would. It's just grief and loss. They're going to attend to a dead man. The second experience and emotion uh, happens after the angel speaks to them. And it's panic and fear. Despite the fact that they've, they've heard some incredible news and they have been asked to deliver that news, uh, 
It's so unexpected and overwhelming that they just panic. And that's the end of the story. And I think it's a kind of commentary about the human response to the unexpectedness of who God has revealed himself to be in this world. A God who died as a human and then rose to life. What is that about? How do we respond to that? Last week I was uh, reminded of another setting in which these two emotions and experiences often happen. There was a small group of us uh, who did a, a, a short child-focused first aid course. And the primary focus of the course was on resuscitation or CPR. Whoops. So here's my, um, apparently his name is Bob. Here's my CPR dummy. Now, um, so we did this one and it was a child-focused one. And I'm going to save you $55 today because I'm going to tell you exactly what we learned in the course. Disclaimer, I'm not a medical professional, so if I get any wrong, um, please, um, I'd still recommend you do the course. Um, Our trainer uh, for the course drilled into our minds, and I mean drilled into our minds, two words. The first one was simple, that he wanted us to keep it simple. The reason being that when someone's heart is stopped, when someone is lying unconscious on the floor, uh, grief and panic tend to set in, those emotions I was talking about. And so if you need to perform CPR on someone, especially if there's someone close to you, how many CPR steps and guidelines do you think you're going to remember in that moment when you're panicking? Pretty much nothing. Uh, Apparently 99% of people go into a state of panic when there's a need for CPR. And panic causes your brain and especially your memory to do what? Out the window. And so our trainer was drilling into us. Simple, simple, simple. Not all these rules and guidelines, like if they're under the age of 12 months, you do a small puff. And if they're over the age of 12 months and up to a certain age, then you do a half breath, whatever a half breath is. And then if they're over this age, you do a full breath. No one's remembering that, not a lot, let alone not knowing the age. And, it's, and different people are different. Uh, do you take a foot? Do you pinch the nose and do you blow over the mouth or do you blow over the mouth and the nose if they're small enough? He said, no, 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 simple. No one's remembering all that. So he told us over and over and over again, how hard do you blow? Those who did the course? Yes, until the chest rises a little bit. Blow over the nose or pinch it and blow through the mouth. Who cares? Get air in the chest. Simple, simple, simple. And then with the chest compressions, middle of the sternum thing right about here um, lots more of them than breathing 20 and 30 and two two breaths and 30 if you um if you want to but really the numbers are a guide get air in pump 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 make blood pump more okay that's simple even hog can do it that's the first word simple there is a point to all this i promise the second word was even more important it was understand And really what's meant by that is to understand the purpose of CPR. What do you think CPR is for? And I want someone who isn't a nurse or a doctor or done a first aid course recently to to answer. What do you think the purpose of CPR is? Yep, to keep them alive. Any advances on that? Now, who would have said to to try and start the heart again? Yeah, I kind of thought that. I wasn't sure either. If you watch movies, that's probably what, they, what happens. And then all of a sudden they wake up, yay. 
And that's what it seems to be about in the movies. It's called cardiopulmonary resuscitation, but it's not that at all. The breathing and the pumping is to get blood and oxygen to the brain. Now, maybe all of you knew that, and I was the idiot in the room, but that's all right, but it, I, I learned this. It's to the brain, to get the brain to stay alive. When someone's heart has stopped, they are dead, but the brain still lives on for up to four minutes before brain damage starts to set in, and with CPR, the brain can survive potentially hours in comparison to four minutes as someone manually pumps oxygen and blood to it. Now, some of you may have experienced CPR before, and it might have been quite a, um, a, a horrific thing to experience. Um, I hope that today, even if that has been the case for you, I hope that today the analogy here is, is, is powerful for you. So when someone's uh, heart has stopped, they're, they're dead, their brain can last for four minutes. With CPR, it can go much, much, much longer. Here's why I mention all that, other than the potentially save you $55 on a first aid course. I think this world treats God and life with either or both of the feelings of the women at the tomb. Grief and panic. Sometimes there's grief that this world just seems to be godless. That, that the good and the loving God they hear about and that Christians talk about doesn't seem to be around. It's like God is dead. And it's not necessarily a, a depressed and a sobbing kind of a grief, like, oh, but sometimes it's just this kind of, we've got to get through this kind of grief. There just doesn't seem to be a good loving God around, and so we just kind of got to go through life, we've got to survive, we've got to come out the other end okay. Maybe we, if we try and smile along the way, it'll help us feel a little bit better. That's one of the approaches to life sometimes. The other is panic. Ah, life's throwing me curveballs and unexpected things. And, and to survive the panic, it's just scramble. It's just kind of, let's try this, let's do that, let's try and get more money. No, 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 let's get a better house. No, 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 let's get the kids in private school. No, 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 let's, whatever it might be, just to try and make life work. Panic, scrambling. And I believe the story of the, women, the woman at the tomb, the women at the tomb, is a reminder that in a world of grief and panic, in a world of loss and fear, we need simple, and we need to understand the purpose. The angel says it's simple. He said he was going to be alive, and he's alive. That's it. Go and share it. Now, what's behind that? What's behind the resurrection of Jesus? How his death and resurrection works for the salvation of humanity? Why it was needed? That's not simple and straightforward. Just the same as what's going on in the lungs and the, the blood and the brain and all the stuff inside. It's not simple, but we don't necessarily need to grasp all of that to do CPR. We just need to pump, 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 pump. And with regards to Jesus, here's the simple bit that we do need to understand. Jesus' resurrection is not just about Jesus. It's about us as well. Now here's where I'm going to milk this analogy for all it's worth today, just so you know. Here's where the analogy really struck me last weekend and I just had a kind of a light bulb moment. The reason our trainer drilled into us simple Understand. Simple, understand. It's because of the tragedy, and I hope that you've never experienced this, but if you have, I am sorry. But because of the tragedy of 
incorrect assumption in a situation when someone is unconscious. The incorrect assumption about what needs to happen and what CPR is for. Even in grief and panic, a simple understanding of CPR, blow, pump, might help us stay on the right track and keep breathing and keep pumping. But if, if we think that it will revive someone, we've misunderstood the purpose. CPR is to keep getting oxygen and blood to the brain until what? Until the paramedic arrives with one of these, but probably a bigger version, and says, stand back, and maybe tries again and does some other things as well. And some of the tragic stories that paramedics will tell you is that sometimes they arrive at a scene, the patient's heart has definitely stopped, but because the people in the room thought that CPR was to revive the heart, they did it for a while, it wasn't working, and they went, there's no more hope, let's give up. And in the meantime, they were keeping the brain alive, but as they stopped, the brain has then died. And so when the paramedic arrives, the heart could have been revived, but there's no point anymore. And I realised this CPR situation and its possible outcomes is a picture of life. We tend to incorrectly assume the nature of the human problem in one of a variety of ways. Here's some of what we, we incorrectly assume. We think people are bad. Therefore, what they need is law and order, something like that. Or we think people actually have the potential for good. That's what they need, so they need encouragement and opportunity. We think, no, no, the problem is people are poor, so they need wealth and riches of various kinds. Or we think, no, 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 the problem is people are greedy, so we need a better tax system. Or people are fundamentally spiritual, so really what they need is spirituality and religion and meditation. Or maybe it's, we think, no, no, people need to develop their intellect to be smarter, to do more good in the world. So we need better education. They are all diagnoses of the state of human beings and the subsequent solutions we provide. And sometimes after we've tried all of it and humanity is still in the same place, we just give up. But the correct diagnosis is that human beings are just like someone in need of CPR. They're dead, but not yet gone. The four minutes, or with CPR, the potentially few hours between the heart stopping and the brain dying, that is a spiritual picture of human life on earth. A spiritual picture of human life on earth. And the reason for the resurrection of Jesus. We are born spiritually dead. But here's the kicker. Nothing in this world, no human effort can revive us. Nothing we can do can revive us. Nothing we can do can fix the problem. However, the brain isn't gone yet. We still exist. We still function. I think most of you in the room are alive today. And between now and our last day on earth, there is hope that someone, whilst we are alive here, but not alive here, will come and revive us into really living. Jesus is the paramedic.
He just doesn't need a defibrillator. He awakens us by giving us the Spirit of God. And this is what the resurrection is about. Now let me be absolutely crystal clear here. If you're not following the metaphor, here's the non-metaphor version. The message of Jesus and the Bible is that because of our sin, an inbuilt, inherited nature of self-worship and rebellion against God and pride, we are dead spiritually because of that sin. It's not God's fault. It's inevitable because as human beings, we're not made as robots. That wouldn't be loving of God. We're made with the choice to do what we wish. That's problematic, though, because we choose ourselves and sin separates us from a God who is so holy and pure and perfectly good. I just covered like tons of theology in about 10 seconds. I'd love to have a coffee with you if you want to explore that more. And separation from God is spiritual death. God is the provider of life. In the meantime, on this earth, with blood and oxygen being pumped into our brain, we are alive, but it's only a shadow of real life. And sooner or later, we'll be gone. It's the ultimate statistics. One in one person dies. In the meantime... With blood and oxygen being pumped to our brain, we are alive in a sense. But Jesus hung on a cross, and it was a great exchange that was happening there. He who wasn't separated from God took our sin condition upon himself and died. And then God raised him from the dead to be the first to be raised, and now offers us the final part of the exchange. Our sin on him for his spirit in us, and this is what gives us life. And if at some point in this existence on earth, while blood and oxygen are getting to the brain, we say, I need you, God, please start my heart again. He gladly gives us the treatment that is needed, his own spirit in us, that spirit that gives us life. And again, just like there's a serious medical complexity and brilliance behind a defibrillator and all the medicines and things that will start the heart again when the paramedic gets there and all the inner happenings, there is a whole history and genius and brilliance behind the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And how it opens the door for our own resurrection. It's not just simple and magical somehow. There's a whole thing behind it. And none of that is hidden. It's all in the Bible. I just can't fit it into a 30-minute talk. But the essence of it, it's simple and we need to understand it. We're spiritually dead. We need to be brought to life. And only the risen Jesus with power much better than a defibrillator can do that. And it happens at the point of faith. It's faith that activates it. Using our functioning brain, looking at the world around us, the evidence that God is good, the reality of an empty tomb, and responding to that not with panic and fear, but with a simple trust in Jesus. It's a choice that says, okay, you have what I need, God, so I will place my life into your hands. Faith enacts that great exchange our sin and death for his spirit in life that's a pretty good trade and again God's not going to force us to do that he leaves it to be our choice if you're like me you may wonder uh, well why doesn't it seem that different 
I still, I still only feel, and I'm talking to the Christians here in the room, why doesn't it seem that different sometimes? I still only feel half alive. The world kind of sucks. I mean, I, 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 is there really that big of a difference? Was I really once spiritually dead and now I'm fully alive? If you allow me to milk the analogy a little bit further, I think it's because being revived by the Spirit of God, despite that, every Spirit-filled believer, every one of us still has a heart condition. Our trust in God itself, it still wavers. It comes and goes. Sometimes it almost stops altogether and we need a jolt again. I'm not saying our salvation comes and goes. But our experience of the resurrection reality in our life certainly comes and goes. And so we actually need a heart transplant altogether. Or rather, we need a body transplant. And guess what? That's coming. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. See, going back to the Gospel of Mark, those reading this story, they actually knew the end game. They didn't need the ending because they'd been around people who had seen him and talked to him, and they knew the end of the story. They added the ending to help people in later generations know how the story really ended, Jesus rising from the dead and appearing to them. And, and it's, it, 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 it writes, that they write in there, he appeared to them, he comforted them, he sent them out to tell the good news, and that he appeared in a different form. Even Jesus got a body transplant. Jesus appeared in a different form, a new, better, heavenly body. And this is promised to us. One day, our resurrection will be complete. Not faulty bodies carrying a perfect spirit, but new and better bodies filled with his life and power in a renewed world, just to top it off. And so here... With that good news being offered to us, here's what I want to say today to finish. I want to finish with one thing uh, for the followers of Jesus in the room and watching online. And then I want to say one thing for those who haven't yet come to that point of trusting Jesus with your life. First of all, to the Christians. There is so much depth, significance, importance to the biblical story and message and theology and doctrine and all the stuff behind the resurrection that we celebrate today. It's all so incredibly important. And, and I pray we'd continue to seek with all our hearts the depth of God's wisdom and power and, and brilliance. But let's not ever forget that at the core, it's this simple, understand. And if you like, the simple two breaths and 30 pumps of CPR is maybe something like this for us. Tell others that sin separates us from God. Jesus takes that away and gives life. And then live that out with joy and gratitude and good deeds and radical love as much as you can. And then breathe. Sin separates us from God. Jesus takes that away and gives us life. And then live that out with joy in our hearts because we have been transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. Why? Because you understand this. Nothing you could do or say will do anything for those you share your life with except keep their brain ticking over until Jesus arrives on the scene and goes... And gives them life. 
That is our job. That is our only job. CPR, spiritual CPR, if you want to call it that, cannot revive, cannot resurrect someone. Only Jesus can do that. Just Let's not let grief and panic get in the way. We've just got to do one thing and then let Jesus do his. And sometimes you might feel like the patient on the floor rather than the one administering the CPR. Let others help you. Let this stay alive, just a speck of faith. And one day Jesus the paramedic will become Jesus the surgeon and the new body will be worth the wait, I promise you. Not forgetting that he's been there too. We remembered on Friday, Jesus doesn't just attend to your heart condition because it's his job. He understands separation from God. He understands death, even spiritual death and separation. And so he cares for you and it's from that place he wants you to have new life. Finally, to those of you in the room or listening to this later who haven't yet put your trust in Jesus, maybe at some point in your life you've said, as many of us have, maybe you've said, if God's real and I die and I do stand before him and he's really loving, as, as you Christians say he is, well, then I'll realize that at the end and, and I'll accept it then and he'll revive me then, right? So is there really any need to do anything right now when it's all so unclear? The problem is, using the analogy again, at that point, when you reach the heavenly emergency room, your brain is dead. Jesus, the surgeon, has no reason to give you a transplant at that point because it's over. And what I mean is this. This world that we are in right now is the opportunity that you have to be resurrected, to receive the Spirit of God for your resurrection. Because behind all the rubbish, behind all the evil, behind all the selfishness is the evidence of God in this world. And if it's not enough now, Unfortunately, it won't be enough in the next life. You will have switched off completely. And I would just ask you, what have you got to lose? I'll answer that question for you from Jesus' perspective. What you've got to lose is a limited and hindered existence, which is actually spiritual death, even though technically you're alive because this brain still has oxygen. But what you have to gain is life to the full. What you have to gain is real life as it was intended for eternity. And so my prayer is that if you're starting to believe that, even in the slightest, well, there's nothing more needed from me or anyone else. Cry out to Jesus saying, come and save me. Take away my sin and separation from God and give me your spirit. And he will. He will do it gladly. Father, I want to pray for us this morning in this room and those listening at another time. That the beauty of the resurrection, the reality of the good news that comes through this day we remember right now. Lord, that we would let it sink into our hearts. That we would know that Jesus rising from the dead is so much more than one man in history having risen from the grave. 
Lord, he was the first to be raised. And since that time, since that day, through the faith of individual people, billions of human beings have entrusted their life to Jesus. And we thank you, God, that as we reach the heavenly gates, as we begin to experience the new creation, for those who have chosen you, we will live with you, not separated anymore, for eternity. Lord, there's lots of history, there's lots of uh, brilliant thinking and, 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 and creativeness behind all of that. There's lots of stuff that's really hard to understand. There's lots of stuff that in our culture today, 2,000 years or more forward from when the Bible was written and lived out, there's lots we don't get. On the one hand, we thank you that there are smart people who help us to understand that. But Lord, we know that at the heart of it, it is simple. And you simply want us to understand that our faith in you is what enacts that great exchange, our sin for your righteousness, Jesus, our spiritual death and separation for your spirit living in us, bringing us to new life. Father, I want to pray for those in the room and listening to this message anytime in the future. That if the Holy Spirit is drawing them into the heart of Father God right now, that you would give them the faith just to pray, Father, into your hands I commit my life and my spirit. Father, I ask for your forgiveness. And Jesus, I ask that you would give me your righteousness, your spirit, that I may live in eternity with you. I thank you for the privilege of sharing the good news this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we take this message with us, it would continue to give us life and life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen. The team's going to lead us in a couple of songs. I'd really love to...